I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, don't look now, but the nation has discovered that the Tampa Bay Rays are a very good baseball team. That Willie Adamas can make perfect relay throws in one inning and blast a home run to start the next. That Diego Castillo can open the game and Blake Snell can close it. And that you can be down 2-0 to the Houston Astros and have the rest of the world making tea times for you. And then a few days later, be headed back to Houston needing one more game to play the Yankees in the American League Championship Series. The Rays even their series with the Astros with a 4-1 win on Tuesday. They won their second game in a row. Of course, Game 5 is Thursday at Minute Maid. We've got the unbelievable Rays to talk about on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, we were both at the game. Of course, you were working producing. Um, I was there with my son and his girlfriend. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to sort of see the atmosphere that we witnessed, uh, you know, just a couple nights ago uh, in game three at, at Tropicana Field in the afternoon. It's another thing to be there. And, and I must tell you, having been there, um, that that place was electric. And credit the Rays, of course, for, you know, getting out to an early lead on Tommy Pham's uh, home run in the first inning. But, I mean, that that building, uh, you know, had so much energy, and the Rays played off of that. You could really feel it. But this Tampa Bay Rays team, you know, I, I mean, we keep thinking about, you know, there's, there's no way they can match up with a, a team like the Houston Astros and um, that had the best record in all of baseball um, that, you know, has won a World Series a couple of years ago. They've gone about as far as they can go. You can't put any limitations on this baseball team. This is a very good baseball team. They've won 99 games. If they win 100, they're playing the Yankees to see who goes to the World Series. A.J. Hinch, after the game, called the race pitching staff exceptional. Mm. Not any, not a couple pitchers. The staff was exceptional. And mm. they match up. And this is what we've been saying and others are starting to figure out is the race roster is built to match up in so many different ways against you. Is that A.J. Hinch changed his lineup tonight and tried to go left, right, left, right because he figured it was going to be a bullpen day. Who would have thought that until the ninth inning the Astros threw more pitchers on the mound than the Rays did tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just supposed mm-hmm. to be a bullpen day for the Rays, and you had Justin Verlander going for the Astros. Mm-hmm. You know, it was not supposed to be that way. And, you know, I'm curious as to why they pitched Justin Verlander, and it's probably the right move. But Dave Wills brought up an interesting point during the game that there's some speculating that they started Justin Verlander because A.J. Hinch didn't want to have to make a decision between Verlander and Cole for Game 5 that starting Verlander early meant that Cole gets game five and you don't have to upset one of those pitchers, which is wow. an interesting theory on that. And, and it, it may hold true. I mean, it's it's easier to start Verlander on, on three days rest when you have Garrett Cole sitting there to go game five. Right. But did you do it because you probably would have gone with Cole and you would have ticked off Justin Verlander? Well, I, I mean, I will say this. You know, depend, I mean, you probably wouldn't go the other way and pitch Cole 
um, and then save Verlander. So well, Cole would have been on. Uh, he would have been on only three. I mean, two days rest at that. Two point. days rest. So, so, so you, you weren't going to have that option. Him. Yeah, right. My my thing was this: that that this is the only way he could play it, and I'll tell you why, is because, you know, how would you feel if you go a bullpen day, lose that, and then you know, you, I mean, obviously you'd have both those guys for Game Five, but it it, it just it just makes a lot of sense to say. I got both of them in position to win one game. In other words, mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to go with Verlander on three days rest. We're going to probably win Game Five in Tropic or in Game Four in Tropicana, and the series is over. If not, I got Garrett Cole. I mean, it just it, you know I'll take my chances to win one game with those two dudes, mm-hmm. even if one of them is thrown on three days rest. Now, did it affect Verlander? You know, he said physically he felt pretty good, but clearly his command wasn't what it should be. I mean, he was not a strike thrower the way he had been certainly in Houston, and I think the Rays at bats might have had something to do with that. They seemed to grind him out a little bit more, um, and, and they got yeah, him threw, into a high pitch count right He threw 32 pitches in the first inning. Mm-hmm. That was the most pitches he's had in the first inning, I think, in two years. Right, right. And, and, but a lot of that had to do with the Rays. But you know, he clearly wasn't as sharp nowhere near. He couldn't have possibly mm-hmm. been as sharp as he was in Houston. But, you know, if you're, if you're the Rays, and I think you might have said this the other night, Steve, is that – you know, if you you're going to have to be Verlander to win the series, right? I mean, you're down 2-0. At some point, you're going to have to be Verlander to win the damn series. Wouldn't you rather play Verlander in Tropicana Field on three days rest? Absolutely. What, what better situation could you get him in than that? You certainly don't want to play him again in Houston. So, in a way, Hench did a favor, you know, to to have Verlander come back, and, and, and if the Rays were going to face them, it was after they won a game, you know, in, in Tropicana and – and him him doing something he's never attempted before, but they still have a really good pitcher who might be the Cy Young Award winner in, in Garrett Cole, who just mowed these guys down as well back in Houston. So I mean, this way Hanchkins gets to use both of these guys, and I I just think that that was probably the decision was well I got Verlander and I got Cole, um, all I got to need to do is win one more game. Um, now you know having watched how this played out. I would I would not be cold thinking, you know, uh, that that I'm going to have the same repeat performance as I did the other night. Look, I think I think the Rays learned something facing Verlander, and it, and it was fresh in their minds because it was only three days rest, and you know their approach was a little different. They certainly weren't intimidated by him. The home crowd helped them, but but they also had seen him, you know, and there's something to see in guys, you know that that quickly and you know when everything's still fresh in your mind you remember how they pitched you he might not remember how he pitched every single guy but as a hitter you only have to worry about yourself so you get in similar situations you realize okay here's how this guy worked me in the past so I, I think it was advantage Rays but look they just beat one of the greatest pitchers of all time certainly one of the greatest postseason pitchers of all time he was 8-0 uh, in the division series in his career yeah I mean that's I mean come on he never you lost know? a division series game. <laughs> well, he's got that mark now. And I'll be honest with you, even though he gave up three runs in the first inning, they they let him off the hook time and time again. They had runners in scoring position. They could have knocked him out much sooner than they did. They, uh, but they left was 13 able to, to runners on base tonight. 13. Oh, eight of them, eight of them were left in scoring position. Yeah. No, they had they had, you know, second and third, third base, nobody out. I mean, they they just, you know, every t- inning that they would finish without scoring those runs and it was kind of stuck at 3 to nothing, you just kept thinking this is going to this is going to bite them. And all Verlander did was keep his team in the game. You know, he put up some zeros, 
Uh, the pitch count was high. Uh, that that part didn't go very well. But but he he kept them in there. You know he he, he battled and and you know we've seen the Astros explode for more than three runs in an inning this year. But they weren't able to do it against the pitching. And you know you made a good point when Hinchin said, "Look, which guy did not throw well?" You know what I mean? Every single guy they put out there, and they used the matchups obviously to their advantage, and they weren't going to let a guy go too long. But every person uh, who came out of that bullpen, including Blake Snell, which we can get into in a minute, mm-hmm. you know, just just pitched lights out. I thought they were all terrific. Well, let's and go through. Let's go through the pitchers. I mean, Diego Castillo. Absolutely. Diego Castillo oh. was an inning and two thirds. That two seam uh, fastball that he threw to Altuve, nasty. Oh. I mean, everyone's raving about Charlie Morton yesterday and his pitch. Mm -hmm. That pitch completely locked Altuve up. He had no clue what to do with it. That was just nasty. And you got an inning and two-thirds at him. Yarborough comes in, gives you two innings, Mm -hmm. and only gives up two hits. Nick Anderson goes a career-high two and a third innings and only only pitches 22 pitches, which is what allowed him to be so so efficient. Poche Mm -hmm. pitched well. I mean, he did give up the, the home run, but he pitched pretty well. And then Pagan and then Blake Snow comes out of the pen. You know, you didn't want to have to pitch Snell in that spot. Pagan had given let the tying run come to the plate, but you know, you brought Snell in and he was nasty and came in and completed the game. I mean, all the pitchers did well tonight. It and and you know, but when you started out with with Castillo and his stuff was filthy to start, and that's when you I knew they that was that, that was the most important thing. Yeah, because I mean, Castillo, you know, yeah, he's been used as an opener before, but let's face it. That's a different kind of pressure, you know, facing the Houston Astros in an elimination game. You know it's a bullpen night, so you know it's all hands on deck. But for him to go out there, and I'm telling you, he was 0-2, 1-2 on every single hitter. He was throwing so many strikes, it was incredible. He was attacking hitters. I mean, he looked in command. He looked terrific. And I, I don't think they could have had a better start than they did. And Yarbrough does what he does. He gets bad contact right off the bat. You know, no, no one, you know, he goes, throws about 88, 89 miles an hour. Lots of breaking stuff, um, lots of strikes. He ends up getting the win. But you're right. I mean, every guy they brought in, they had matchups for. You know, it wasn't just a coincidence. It's like they had certain batters they wanted them to face. They knew how long they were going to keep them in there. And then, then they went to the next guy. So um, seeing Nick Anderson early meant that, you know, it was a, a leverage situation that Kevin Cash wanted to use at that time. But, boy, I tell you, the, the combination of pitching and defense, I mean, this really is a team. I mean, going back to the final game in Houston, game two, I mean, the Astros only scored three runs, folks. You know, it's it's not as if this Astros team, which is tremendous, uh, tons of all-stars up and down the lineup, they have struggled against this pitching staff. And so, it's to me, it's been all about the Rays pitching staff since, really, game two. Yeah, no, the, I mean, the, yes, the race pitching staff has been the story of, of this series. I mean, you mm-hmm. give up, the, what, the three runs in game two, you give up three runs in game three, and one run in game four. The race pitching had to come through for them to compete in this series, and it has. And it's come through big time in this series. We mentioned that the Rays getting the lead was going to be the key, and that's the key to most series, obviously, and this was no exception. Tommy Pham, who's been beat up. I mean, we know he's been playing with injuries to the extent that he's, you know, almost sort of a liability now as an outfielder. But they DH'd him, you know, against the Astros here in game four. And he struggled against Verlander like like a lot of people did. But I think he learned some things, you know. And Verlander was tough on him, man. He was busting sliders and fastballs. And he finally got a changeup. And he rode it out of there. It was a line drive, uh, you know, barely cleared – 
the left field wall, but that thing was well struck, as Joe Madden would say. And it was a big moment. It was a big moment for Tommy Pham. It ignited that building, and it began what was a three-run rally in the first inning. To get three runs off Justin Verlander, you know you got to get to him early because he settles down. And and for Pham to do that was something. You know, after the game they were talking about, one of the questions that Kevin Cash was asked is, uh, I think by Martin Fenley, was like, you know, we know that, you know, Tommy Pham is like, pretty intense right I mean that's <laughs> that's an understatement I mean he's the man of a thousand stairs and so what Martin's theory was and Cash agreed with it was is that is it possible he has even more focus in the postseason because he's batting about you know damn near 500 he's in like 460 or something like that um and and Cash says yeah you know it's kind of scary like I you know I'm, I, I kind of stay away from him because I'm not exactly sure what's going on but um, but you can see, you know, the uh, the focus. I mean, you know, his role. It, it's so it's great the way this team is sort of put together and how their personalities, um, you know, sort of blend into into one uh, big winning machine right now. Um, but but Fam really is sort of a tone setter with his intensity. And um, you know, he had three hits on in Game Four and and you know swung the bat really really well and seemed to be on base all the time. But after that home run, watching him do the you know go through the gauntlet in the uh, in the dugout you, you can just see sort of what playoff baseball means to him and he's experienced this type of crowd that type of atmosphere before but what he said after the game was he goes I think it's so important and so cool that that most of these guys have never been through that here you know and uh, he says it absolutely lifts your ball club you know you, it, you absolutely feed off the energy really on both sides you know defensively and and offensively um, and so, you know, he's sort of their sage veteran, but, um, man, did he set the tone with that home run and that, that got that three run rally started and, and really, um, could have been more you know, in the first, it, I mean, they, should they have still left more. two yeah. on at the end of the inning, second and, and third. Yeah. You had a thought that they could have chased Verlander in the first inning. Had they got another run or two? Well, they had a pitcher up in the bullpen, I think, uh, as early as the first, or maybe it was mm-hmm. the second. But um, Verlander was was shaky, and like I said, he settled down a little bit. They eventually did get him um, to come out of the game, and and of course he got rightfully serenaded by uh, by the Rays fans. I think his, AJ Hinch was trying so hard to not take him out during. Oh, the I do too. He wanted I to get too. through the inning and and just you know and he just not come back out. Yeah, yeah, because they yeah, knew that what was, was a going. rough. That was a rough walk for Verlander. I'm, I'm sure. Well, we know what his postseason record is. I'm sure he's not experienced that um, sort of thing before. You know, lose, leaving leaving the game, trailing what four to four to nothing at that point. I think. Um, so, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, it was it was a well played game. I thought again a lot of it was slow because of the pitching changes and you know guys stepping out and and uh, you well know, the race had 13 hits. Yeah, that that's part of it. I mean, when you when you yeah, when you have that many guys on base and yes. your inning, your half innings last so long, um, it was difficult that way. So, but how about the defense? And oh. you know, the Astros. The quiet part of this series is the Astros played really good defense this series. I mean, mm-hmm. they really haven't made mm-hmm. any mistakes. But look at look at G Man Choi tonight. Gets that liner to end the second inning. Mm-hmm. That was that was a blast that he, he hits. Then he gets the double play later in the game. I think that was in the sixth inning. It's a three hundred yeah. assisted double play and a liner to him. I mean, as mm-hmm. much as is you know, G Man's become a fan favorite, and I love the G Man Choi chance. But defensively, mm-hmm. he's not a he's a below average first baseman. But boy, mm-hmm. has he gotten better? 
And 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 he made some big plays tonight. And we haven't even got to the the relay play from the outfield yet. No, we haven't. But I, I, on G man, I I would agree with you. Like I've seen him make some plays that I was surprised he made during the year. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one I thought was you know was obviously a BB. The second one I'm going to say the ball caught him. I mean, sure. You know, it, again, a little bit of that's bad luck because it was one, what we call the Adam ball. He hit it right at him. But yeah, credit credit G man for you know not being handcuffed on it. He is played a way better first base than I think anybody would have given him credit for. Um, and, and he worked some great at-bats. He, he also had two walks and a couple of bats that he was down in the count, 0-2, 1-2, and, and he did not swing at bad pitches, had a walk, finally got another base hit um, you know, before the night was over. So yeah, he had he, three walks he tonight. Had, yeah, he, he, really, he was one of the guys that made Verlander work and one of the reasons why Verlander wasn't going to be very long for that game. I think G-Man had t- faced 26 pitches in his first four at-bats of the game. Phew. I think yeah. that's what Neil Solance told me, which if he said it, it's you can take it to the bank. <laughs> sure, it's true. And he, and he was down in the county. He was behind 1-2, and 0-2. Oh so he had to work, dig himself out of those holes and foul off those pitches and able to get it to 3-2 and then eventually get you know, get get the walks. And, and, and that was huge. The defensive play of the day, and it really I think uh, what, you know, you talk about offense and home runs, how they can ignite your, you know, your bench, how it can knock your fa- ignite your fan base. This game turned on a defensive play, and three people were involved. One, very in particular, Willie Adamas, and it, there was zero margin for error for any of them. It, it, you know, just just one stumble any place, um, you know, a throw that was just offline by a couple centimeters, anything. Darno not with a good sweeping tag, but they were able to 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 cut down Jose Altuve on a double, with him trying to score from first base. And I'm, when I tell you this was perfect, wait till you see it, folks. If you haven't, I'm sure it's going to be on every newscast and, and everywhere you can look. But this is as good a relay in, in, a, in a pressure situation, in a game four elimination game, than you'll ever see. I mean, it was picture perfect. Altuve was only a couple steps from third base when Kiermaier threw the ball from center field. Yeah, think and about they, that. And they nailed, he never touched the plate. Mm-mm. I mean, mm-hmm. he was he was meat, it was, and and Willie Adamas. I mean, Kevin Kiermaier made a good throw, but Adamas, as quickly as he caught the ball, turned and fired a dart to Darno, was incredible. Yeah, he did. I, yeah, I don't did. know many shortstops in the game that could make that throw that hard, that accurate, that fast. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And and Brian Anderson talked about it. He came on the Rays broadcast in the fifth inning with Andy and Dave, and they were talking about Willie Adamas, and you know. We forget sometimes that he's still 23 years old. This is his first full season in the majors. And he got off to a little bit of a rough start, particularly something defensively, and a lot of it was the routine plays in that. And, and even offensively, and he had the road and home splits. But and, and Brian Anderson talked about, it's amazing the progress he's made during the season. You know, a lot of times with young players in the offseason, they come back and they worked on some things and they figured some things out, and you see the improvement from year to year. The improvement Willie has made throughout this season is impressive. That, you know, his defense has gotten much better. His offense has gotten much better. And I think a lot of it's confidence and and just repetitions. I mean, you know, as you know, this game is not easy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And as a young player coming up, you've got trials and tribulations and you're going to make mistakes in this. But as much as he's improved throughout the season is what's really impressive about him. Those kinds of plays... We don't know what Adamus' legacy is going to be going forward, but those kinds of plays on the national stage when you're the, you're the game on TV, that was, that's what leaves indelible marks in people's minds, right? It's about what you do in October. And Willie Adamus, hopefully in his career, will have lots of October baseball. Um, but this is how you arrive. This is how mm-hmm. people remember that the Rays have a shortstop and that the guy's just lights out and phenomenal, and you remember the throw he made and then the, the blast. And folks, it was not a cheapie. The home run that Willie Thomas hit. That yeah, the next thing. half inning. The next half inning, he's leading yeah. off. He's leading off. Like you, you see a lot in baseball. And I mean, he just absolutely annihilated that ball um, to left center. And, and um, you know, so, so what a night. And, you know, those two plays to get a little more separation on offense, but especially. That throw to the plate, I mean, that, that changed the whole game. And, and, again, the building became electric, and it stayed that way. It pretty much stayed that way for nine innings, even though it was, you know, what, damn near a four-hour game. So, um, yeah, Will, Willie Adamas could have become a superstar tonight. He could – this might be what people will remember, you know, three, four, five, ten years from now. That Oh, yeah, I remember, I remember that game that Tampa Bay, you know, beat the Astros – and Willie Adamas made all these great plays, especially this great throw. So it was it was a moment, and you know he's had a couple moments as have you know as have a lot of guys in this series. Um, I you know really they they got big hits from Joey Wendell. Wendell, um, you know they got contributions from everybody defensively, you know, and and the versatility that they showed. They're able to move guys around on defense. I mean, Wendell goes from, uh, you know, Wendell goes from third base to second base, makes the final out, playing in a shift behind second base on a ball that normally might have been a base hit in a one-run game. So, you know, it, it, everything worked for them, including shades of David Price. Only he was a rookie back then. <laughs> Blake Snell, a Cy Young Award winner, coming out to get his first career save did you hear his post-game comments and they were asking him what it was like in the bullpen he's like man i don't know how these guys do it he goes, i gotta <laughs> I be honest i gotta be death. honest i was bored <laughs> i was bored to death he says, well what about when they got you up he goes no nah, not really it wasn't until i realized i was going in then i got kind of excited he goes i literally couldn't do what they do you know and i had people teaching me what to do and and he goes, it was just, yeah, it was awful. Yeah, he said he was sitting between um, Pagan and, you know, out there and, and, and Yanni Chirinos, and they're hel- helping him what to do. And he's like, I'm just bored. <laughs> yeah. Bullpen etiquette was not for him. No, it's not. But uh, I, I, I'll tell you what, they needed him. They really needed him in that moment, too, because Emilio Pagan, who got the last out of the eighth inning, um, he was struggling a bit. He was struggling with mm-hmm. his control. Look, he's not, he, he's gotten the final three outs in games this year. And, um, you know, and and he did. He, you know, even in the in the postseason. But this is a different animal. I mean, this is in the lineup you face um, is, is so explosive that you know he's he's a guy that's given up some home runs. You could see that he was you know stressed out there a little mm-hmm. bit. But to be able to turn to 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 a guy like Blake Snell, who can just go out there and let it go, 
Um, and I thought there was a chance that maybe Snell would only face one batter. But, you know, after after he looked so good out there, I think Kevin Cash had just decided, well, you know, I, I've got my guy out there. I'm going to see if he can shut this down for us. And he did. And it was uh, it was a nice performance by him. When you really needed somebody like that to step up, I mean, you know, that's that's a big moment. We'll look back on um, and remember how – you know, how Snell closed out game four of that series. Well, and, and, and I, I made this comment after the game is Emilio Pagan's had a phenomenal season, and he's really mm-hmm. saved the bullpen. And, and you can make a case he's one of the MVP candidates on the team. Oh, sure, sure. But when you have a closer that can't blow it by you, you get worried every time they come mm-hmm. in. When you don't have mm-hmm. an Araldis Chapman, uh, Craig Kimbrell in his prime, you know, those kind of pitchers that you know can just rev it up and gun it past you. You, right. wor- you worry as a team or, you sure. know, as, as a fan, as whatever. And, and it's not taking me away from Pagan. He, that, you know, tonight was his seventh straight outing without giving up a run. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he's been, he's been, like I said, he saved the bullpen this year, but he's not your prototypical closer and you worry every time he goes in. That's right. Ab- absolutely you do. And, you know, and yet he got some big outs on his own mm-hmm. accord that they have, they needed all of them. I thought the pitchers were terrific. I thought they put him in good positions and matched him up against the right hitters. And and if you're Houston, who's used to just bashing their way, uh, you know, through every game, and if they hit some balls hard, maybe they could have had better luck. But suddenly, you know, this Houston lineup is a little bit locked up with this Tampa Bay Rays pitching staff. And, you know, the Rays have to be very confident against any of their hitters. Altuve struck out twice, I think, uh, you know, Thursday night. I mean, um, th- this was this was great, great pitching by the Rays and great managing by Kevin Cash, who who knew sort of what the plan was going to be. Um, what, and he said, whether we scored three runs in the first inning or not, nothing really altered. We we sort of knew how we were going to work this pitching staff. Yeah, and the good part is too. And look, you get an off day, but everyone's available. Come. Come Thursday. I mean, the Absolutely. most the most pitches any pitcher pitched tonight was twenty nine. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, Castillo had twenty nine. Yarbrough had like twenty two. Anderson was like twenty two pitches. Blake Snell was eight pitches. Pagano right. Poche, you know, is that all these pitchers? And, and there's an off day now. Every single one of them is available. Mm-hmm. Come come uh, Thursday, and probably Charlie Morton's available too. Much like much yeah. like Blake Snell today, I believe Thursday's probably going to be his bullpen day that he would normally throw on the side. So instead, you save it for the game. And so right. you've got 12 pitchers available to you come Thursday. It's a good position to be in. And, and you haven't even used Yanni Chirinos in this series. No, you haven't. And and I, I like where Tyler Glass now, you know, he's stretched out enough now that if he pitches well, he has an opportunity at least to get to the fifth inning, mm-hmm. you know. And if they can get that far with them and still be in the game and, and, and maybe not give up that many runs, um, you know, they're going to be they're going to be in great shape. And like you said, it's, it's, it's the whole staff. I mean, you're trying to it's an elimination game. You're just trying to get to the American League Championship Series. I wonder what the Yankees think about this. They got to be thrilled. Or are they? Do you think the Yankees are, are, are wanting the Houston Astros who had the best record in baseball, or let's be honest, they realize Houston's a better club. They've won a World Series before. Um, we beat up on the Rays in American League East. We know them. Let's root for the Rays. Well, I think what they wanted was this series to go five games, so they got that. Yeah. Um, you know, Houston, I think, won the season series four four to three against the Yankees this year, and the Yankees were 12-7 and seven against the Rays this year. Sure, 
Sure. And, and the Rays do not have a good history at Yankee Stadium. So, you know, I don't know if they're rooting for him. I mean, I, I would assume they'd probably root for Tampa Bay, just knowing the history, mm-hmm. and they tend to do better against them. But, you know, the, the, the one thing they did want was this to go five games because the Yankees are home resting and the Astros and Rays are going to have to play a game Thursday. And, right. You know, whether it's, you know, and Garrett Cole now is not available for probably till game three, maybe of that series. Mm hmm. Um, you know, if it's the Astros that go on, if it's the Rays that go on, Tyler Glass now is probably not available till game three. You know, so, mm-hmm. I mean, that's when, and, and if you bring in a Blake Snell again or a Charlie Morton, are they available game one? Saying, you know, the Astros, they start bringing in, you know, so, you know, that's exactly what the Yankees want is they, they can, they rest, they can set up their rotation and everything they want any way they want. While the other teams are fighting to make sure they get ahead and then worry about Saturday, Saturday. Well, one more thing, Rick, and I, you were in the stand, so I'm not sure if you even realized this happened, but it turns out the Bucks were in attendance tonight, or at least some of them, and O.J. Howard mm-hmm. has caught more mm-hmm. passes at Tropicana Field than he did Sunday <laughs> for the Bucks. I did hear about I saw this on Twitter, and I did hear the roar. I heard, first of all, I heard the roar, like mm-hmm. somebody made a nice catch well, down the right field line. Yeah, it was an impressive catch because even, you know, a- Andy was on the play-by-play call at the time, and it was a foul ball, and he says, oh, it goes over the fans' head, and says, oh, no, someone caught the ball. We didn't realize mm-hmm. at the time it was O.J. Howard that was standing there catching the ball, <laughs> which I don't know if you want your starting tight end reaching up and grabbing a, a baseball that just got lined into the stands. Well, perhaps not, except that, like you mentioned, he's not seeing it any other way, so he might as well go out there and shag some fly balls, <laughs> which he, he was he was a good baseball player. You know, people mm-hmm. told me that he um, would have likely have been drafted, that you know, he was a power-hitting first baseman, played some outfield, um, you know, loves loves the game knows the game very well so i'm not surprised he was there was surprised he finally got a ball at, you know hit his direction but um aside from that uh it was kind of funny that way so yeah good for oj howard you know those guys gotta love the atmosphere too i mean they're professional athletes themselves they play in tampa and then they go to a playoff game something they're still aspiring to do and and, and they get just a little taste you know of what that atmosphere can be um if you can make it to the postseason so I'm sure it was good for him. But, yeah, it was funny, man. Twitter was blowing up. I mean, O.J. Howard just made a catch. <laughs> to which first one James over Winston a week. was like, well, I, you know, Winston was like, I didn't throw it to him. You know, like, you know, well, yeah, we know, James. Um, there's there's an issue there, by the way, and I continue to try to, to press Bruce Arians on that. It just, it, you know, they, what I'm being told by the Bucks, uh, quote, unquote, is that this is all still a work in progress between the play caller and the you know, the players and in the system and all this sort of thing. But they're going to run out of football games if they don't start getting Cameron Brate and uh, O.J. Howard used. You shouldn't have to go to a baseball game to catch a, to catch a ball <laughs> in, the, in the stands. I mean, that's how, that's how bad it's gotten, you know. He's out, out there hunting, hunting flies, um, which is a shame. But, uh, but yeah, he, he was part of the atmosphere. Man, it was just such, a, such an electric crowd. And really from the first pitch – you know, on. I mean, as soon as they get two strikes on somebody, the crowd is on its feet um, early in the game. Well, and, even and, the uh, even the chance of Justin uh, oh, Verlander yeah. was struggling, and of course the G Man sure. Troy chance again. G Man Troy chant is awesome, by yeah. the way. But and we talked about this last night how it was an event Monday night. Yes, and, yes. And, and they got the lead early again in Game Four, and it was an event again, and, and you could celebrate the whole game long, and and they were chanting G Man Troy and Justin mm-hmm. and. And, you know, just it was it was so electric and it seems like, you know, we obviously haven't had that very often for the Rays because they haven't been in the playoffs in six years. 
The Bucks right. haven't been in the playoffs in forever. Forever. 11. You know, mm-hmm. the Lightning, we do see that with the Lightning. And, you know, when they've been to the playoffs mm-hmm. last year, obviously, they, they didn't get the results they wanted. But in the years yeah. past, they've gone to the Eastern Conference Finals three times. So you've seen that with the Lightning, but you haven't seen it with the other franchises of late. And it was so so good to see. And getting that early leads and, and being able to enjoy it, you know, mm-hmm. nail-biting games and coming down to the ninth inning is fantastic and, and great games to watch. But you don't always get to to kind of celebrate, which is what they've been able to do for both these games. And even though the Rays left a lot of players on base in game four, they had to lead the whole game essentially. So, you know, the fans were excited. And especially when, after they made the defense of the, the relay throw from Kiermaier to Adamas to Darno, that game could have been three, one or three, two at that point. I mean, Mm -hmm. that run would have made a three, one and who knows what would happen that inning. And then Adamas comes out and gets the home run the the next half inning. And instead of being three, one or three, two, now it's four, nothing. And that's yeah. when that's when it really got electric, and the crowd started feeling it. Because at that point, now you're you're about halfway through the game, yeah, and you've got the lead, and you're shutting them out. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a tremendous feeling. Even though, boy, these games last a long time—three <laughs> hours and forty-nine minutes. I mean, they're four hours long, man. My my son's girlfriend. She goes, so we'll, we'll probably be there. What four hours? I go, no, four hours. I go, I hope not. Oh, Jeez. No playoff game, and maybe it, extra. Yeah. yeah. Maybe extra innings, you know. Um, damn, if we weren't there almost four hours. Man, well, hey, was... if the Rays get, if the Rays get to next week against the Yankees, it might be five hours. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I wonder what the Yankees are like. I said they got to be thinking, "Yeah, go Rays." You know, we own you guys. If you can take out Houston for us, that'd be awesome. Um, but uh, th- this is uh, this is a good baseball team. This is this is one that's on the verge of winning a hundred games, and even if they don't. You know the way they're outspent, all of those things for them to be in this position is just, just been great fun. And I think I think for fans, whether you're watching at home and seeing the yellow towels wave around, I mean it's really cool, sort of optic. I think um, you know for the fans to show their enthusiasm that way and something that's unique to this year. You know it used to be more cowbell, right back in the Joe mm-hmm. Madden days. Everybody brought a cowbell and you hear those damn things rattling all over the place. Now it's a little bit less cowbell. Um, but boy, was it uh, was it a cool atmosphere! So the Rays tie up the series two games to two again. Game five will be in Houston, and that will be on Thursday. Seven oh seven is first pitch. Yeah, I wonder. You know, I'll be in England, so let's see. Five hours difference. That's like midnight. So it, yeah, the game starts at midnight. Yeah, I don't think I'll be watching that one. It'd keep me up to like four in the morning. That would not be good, especially with the time differential. So I'll have to I'll have to follow Twitter or read about that somehow. Well, we'll have you covered. I'll be talking about the game on Friday's uh, podcast. So that's right. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow we'll yep, have Matt gonna... Baker on the the show. So we'll talk a little college yep. football tomorrow. Get you ready for this weekend and recap. You know, Florida Auburn game, and then look ahead to Florida LSU, of course, and a full slate of college football. Right, and I'll get you prepared. Um, you know, for the Bucks going to England, and of course I'm leaving. Uh, later today actually or this evening gonna fly all night arrive early thursday team arrives friday morning after their practice on thursday they fly thursday night um probably practice around three thirty, out in london time and then a walkthrough on saturday game on sunday so it's going to be kind of a whirlwind uh for them but we'll have an opportunity today to talk to uh Jameis winston dirk cut or dirk cutter listen to me geez he's in the <laughs> whoa world. uh yeah i know freudian <laughs> slip there uh, Bruce Arians, Bruce B.A., I believe, is eh, still the coach. Yeah, yeah B.A., sorry. 
Um, B.A. will, of course, uh, have his press conference. will be in the open locker room. Maybe we even get to talk to Mike Evans, who hasn't spoken to anyone, even his wife, I'm told. No, I don't know if that's true. Um, <laughs> since he got zero catches, zero for the second time in his career. He should have been at the drop. He could have got caught a ball tonight. Well, yeah, I, I heard that he, he, he if they come back, he'll be there. That's for sure. Um, it really, that was really a great moment for OJ Howard, um, and some great shade being thrown at the Bucks by by Twitter and social media everywhere, and they deserve it too, by the way. Like I said, I, I I'm sorry, but it can't be that hard to get a six foot five, two hundred fifty three pounder that runs a four four forty matched up against some, you know, defensive back or linebacker that you're just going to exploit, and yet. The Bucks just don't seem to have that play in their <laughs> offense all of a sudden. It worked the last two years. I mean, maybe you want to borrow Dirk Cutter's tight end portion anyway. But, uh, boy, him and Cameron Brait, who can't get on the field, only played 24% of the snaps in the last game. You know, that's that's not going to cut it. So it would be nice if, uh, if Byron Leffich could find a way to let those guys back into the offense and who knows, maybe even make some plays over there at Tottenham's Hotspur Stadium. That we'll be uh, going to on on uh, Sunday. So one more note, trip. I just I'm just seeing on Twitter now. Yeah, and it, this will change tonight because there's two game fives tonight in the National mm-hmm. League. But home teams all time in winner take all postseason games in baseball. Mm-hmm. You want to guess the record? Home teams winner take all game fives. I'm going to game say... fives or sevens. Just a winner take all game. So I guess it would be the wild card games would be that because win, winner moves on, loser goes home. It's not an elimination game. It's a winner take all game. So home okay, teams so and I don't winner know the, take all games. I don't know the number of games that they they have played. I'm going to say they win sixty percent of the time. Fifty six and fifty eight. Jeez, really? They have a losing record. That's uh, what I just saw on Twitter from Sarah Langs, who's been tweeting all kinds of great stats. Boy, that will absolutely, long. yeah, that'll thrill the Rays. Well, look, the Rays got momentum. I mean, they can take obviously, you know, momentum is as good as as your next starting pitcher, I think, um, and they have a really, really good one. But you know what? So do the Rays. So you know, this could be a continuation of that. Um, maybe they turn a page, but it's it's going to be boy, it's going to be one hell of a game five, man. Can you? I mean, this team could be playing to go to the World Series, you know, in just a few days. Mm-hmm. It's incredible, with a hundred wins. Yeah, well, yeah. If they win, if they win Thursday, it's a hundred wins on the season, and then they mm. go to New York on Saturday and Sunday for games one and two. They're back at the trot for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, games three through yeah. five. A lot of baseball fans would like to see that. So, but we got a busy week ahead, obviously. Um, You've just laid it out there uh, for us, you know, with Matt Baker, with, um, you know, Game 5 coming up, all of those things. So uh, that's it from uh, myself and Steve Versnick, who were at the Trop watching the Rays beat the Houston Astros 4-1. to We'll be back tomorrow. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Versnick. Have a great day, everybody. 